You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead and pull up a chair. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the After Laugh. Uh, I am here with uh, Maggie Sargent, my co-host, and our special guest of honor is Monty Franklin. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, man. It's really good to you know. I don't, I don't know you, Monty, so it's really good to get to know people. Yeah. Um, I'm a little put off by how good looking you are. It's a little. <laughs> A little annoying. It's all a facade. And you uh, look like you have a six-pack, which also bugs me. But I'm going to try to get past that and just move forward. I'm just an Australian. That's just what <laughs> people look like. Yeah, everyone in Australia is like <laughs> better looking and fitter. They well, that's because we grew up on the beach and fighting crocodiles. And so we have to have a certain tough I will, exterior. I will say this. I'm going to steal a bit. Chris D'Elia has this hilarious bit where he talks about going to Australia. And his friend's like, hey, you got to go to the beaches. The women are so beautiful. He goes, yeah, I guess this day it was all the uglies were out. He, he said, but which is fine, but in Australia, the women are taller than American women. Like when you're short and you're ugly, it's like, go, go, go be ugly over there. But when you're tall and ugly, it's like they're in your face. It's like, why are you looming? Why are you staring at me? Um, well, so, I don't know which beach he went to. Maybe I should ask him. Go, Dude, don't go to that beach. Yeah. So you just did a set at the Laugh Factory. Uh, I did. What was his show tonight? Uh, it was just the standard a Wednesday regular, night. <laughs> all-star comedy. Yeah. Jay um, Davis promoting Wednesday night. Yeah, Jay Davis. At the and, Laugh Factory. And, uh, and you said you had a, a good set, but you had six minutes to work on new material, and you felt it didn't go that well. It, I mean, it, it, you know what? Uh, for six minutes of material, I reckon I got about two outs. Pretty good ratio when you think That's, about it, Yeah, it? that is really good. But it's so hard doing new shit because you're like... Oh, I could go out there and just crush for 15 and feel like a hero, but I'll never grow as a comedian. Yeah. So I had to. And yeah. I was literally, some of them hadn't even been thought out or anything, but you just got to get the words out and the ideas and the thoughts. Yeah. And then you look at it later and go, okay, that premise works. People got what I was trying to say. And other things that you think are definitely people going to get, and you go, wow, that was nothing. <laughs> I did a joke about letting yeah. my cats out because they, every time I let my cats out of the house, they're, they're indoor cats, but they look around like they're scared at everything. Yeah. And then I was watching uh, Shawshank Redemption and Morgan Freeman, when he left Shawshank for the first time, was exactly like my cats, <laughs> like looking at cars going, oh, what's that? Oh, what's a shopping cart? Oh, what's this? And so I made that comparison and no one knew what I was talking about. I'm like, oh, well, I'm obviously the only one who's seen that. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. And uh, and so you're uh, you're regular at Laugh. How long have you been a regular at Laugh Factory? Uh, maybe like three years. Three maybe, years. Yeah, I've and been in LA for five. Mm-hmm. First two sucked. Why? And then I started. Why uh, do they suck? Because it doesn't mean shit in LA. It would ma- no matter what you've done anywhere else. Yeah. And what have you done before this? Uh, I was in Australia for I did had done the stand up for maybe almost ten years, and I I had a radio show and TV show and stuff, and I'd done uh, enough that I thought warranted me to maybe consider myself a comedian but then i came here and it didn't mean shit and at least i had some very good people uh like brett ernst and brian callan uh-huh. that had worked with me in australia that just kind of showed me the right way yeah because lining up for open mic at the laugh factory yeah would be the, the worst Tuesdays. thing to do yeah i could imagine ever 
And uh, I kind of bypassed that step, yeah. which was uh, nice. So but you I got was, into the Laugh Factory through Brett and through... Uh, I got uh, introduced the right way. I got accepted by uh, the same means as everyone else by proving and, and yeah. sanding and shaking hands and smiling. Yeah, and so that one day <laughs> the owner's like, hey, it's 12 o'clock, Dane Cook just did an hour, go on stage. That is no shit what exactly happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was, well, that's a it great was midnight run. And Dane Cook had just done an hour. There we go. And he's, and no, and someone else hadn't been there. And they said, all right, fine, get up, see what you can do. Yeah. And luck, luckily. Were you expecting to go on at that point? You had no clue. This is like. No, a, no, no. Yeah. This was, okay, go, you, you go. <laughs> and I just knew, all right, I've got to do uh, well. So I, I made sure that I did good stuff and it went well. Yeah. And I only did like five minutes or something until the next person who was meant to come was there. But it was enough to, for Jamie to go, oh, okay, yeah. uh, he's uh, not a total piece of crap. <laughs> I, I, well, I think that for Jamie, I think for a long time that was approved. I mean, for me for me as well, it's like if you can follow Dane Cook yeah. after an hour on midnight and people don't leave in droves, yeah. that's a win. Yeah. Because some big con- – I've seen, I've seen Ralphie May follow Dane Cook back in the day and the audience is like, no. Mm. Yeah. So Fuck this, this is a guy. Thing. Oh yeah, I think that I think it's, it's very conscious that Jamie goes, okay, if this guy wants to work here, yeah. this is how we're going to test his metal. Well, it was Fraser Smith because I, I worked with him at like the Ice House and stuff, and yeah. he's a great guy, as, yeah. as you know. And he said, Jamie, he can handle it. Put him up. Yeah. And so he's going, all right, go. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, all right. And yeah, it was five minutes, but I just made sure it was good. And I think I get a lot of grace uh, because of my accent. Straight away, people uh, uh, listen to me. Uh huh. So even though Dane Cook just did, did an hour, people were like, oh, There's something, something new. new and different. I'll give him a chance. And then I've got my chance to, and you've only got bloody 30 seconds before people go, okay, you had your chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to grab him. So I knew, all right, grab him quick. Do you remember your opening joke? That you're like um, the joke that I'm going to get people right away. I think so, and and it, I, I it was timed very well because I said, ah, oh, um, I'm from Australia, and I'm, I, I, I said the first time I want to perform Laugh Factory, if I could just follow one of the biggest comedians in the world who's just done an out, you know, I did one of those things. Yeah, and I said, um, if I could possibly just follow him for an hour after he's just berated this guy here and pointed stuff out that had just happened, and it all worked and flowed. So yeah. people went, oh, this guy has the confidence to know what he's talking about and go, we'll go with him. And then uh, I probably made fun of my own accent and, and then the American accent and then that's enough to get people on board, I think. Yeah, for sure. Now, do you feel like there's a big difference in uh, Australian comedy and American comedy? I will I will say this. I had, uh, um, do you know Brendan Burns? Uh, I know of him, yes. Is he Australian or is he British? Is he like a weird hybrid of the two or something? I don't know. I, I don't want to get this wrong. I'm, I'm going to say he's probably Australian but started comedy in Britain and has done a whole career in Britain yeah. as opposed to Australia. Because uh, I, I vouched for him on a midnight. I think it was like a post hour of Dane oh, at, yeah. at the Laugh Factory because I worked with him in New Zealand a bunch and I just saw him slaughter and do his do his stuff. Yeah. And uh, he's long form. He's a long form comic. Yeah. And from his point of view, and maybe this is more a British thing, but uh, long form comedy is is kind of more how comedy is done. It's not like step step. You don't have to like boom 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 right away. Yeah. And the crowd, midnight weekend, the Laugh Factory, they're not on board for a long. Uh, a yeah, long they don't want to yawn. They don't want to yeah. tail. <laughs> Do you feel that you've had to adjust your comedy from Australia into America? Um, slightly, but not in that respect. Not changing yeah. any long form jokes or anything. I think you just have to change that. 
if you're doing a shorter set. You can't have an hour mentality going into a five-minute set because yeah. you're not going to get any uh, jokes out. So I always, uh, if I'm doing an hour, I, I, I would consider myself probably more of a long-form um, yeah. comedian. And then I know that I've got uh, kind of quicker jokes if I need to do shorter sets and stuff, as we all do here in, yeah, in LA sure. and stuff. But the way that I really think that the comedy is different from Australia to here, and I'm sorry if any Australians are listening, but it's a dumbed-down uh, version of humor in Australia, and it kind of annoys me a little bit. What do you mean by that? I go home and I do jokes that I think uh, are quite intelligent, uh-huh. And the crowd like, ah. and then I tell a stupid dick joke and they lose their mind. And I go, come on, guys. And they're like, nah, we'll just talk about dicks and it'll be fine. Wait. But don't you feel that's true here too yeah, as well? I, everywhere? I think it's the opposite. We always think Americans are the dumbest. No, no. It's, but it's, there's a, I don't know, it's different. It's yeah. just, I, can't, I kind of, every time I go back, I go, um, damn it. Come on, guys. I, I know that we're smarter than that. But I think Australians just uh, give me an example of a joke that you, that you're talking about uh, in terms of like a joke that you think does really well here because of the audience, the intelligence level, and then you go to Australia and it just flatlines. Um, shit, you put me on the spot. I put now you on the spot, I did I? Right? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll segue real quick. I, I have a I have a joke that I I wrote in 2006. It's one of my first jokes that just murdered, and the joke was. And you've seen me do it, Maggie. I, I, I talk. I went to black schools. I had a black girlfriend. I go, hey, I see a black girl. I go, hey, you're with a white guy. And I go, hey, you know what they say, girl, once you go white, your vagina stays tight. Now, and it would kill. And then I go, hey, and I see a white guy. Once you go pale, you never have to post bail. High five. And the guy goes, high five. And I go, why would you high five that? You racist piece of shit. So, uh, so I remember when I did that in like 2006, 2007. I was like, it, it, it. It m- murdered so hard, and then, and then it started getting hacked. Like other comics would do it, and I was like, ah, oh, whatever. It's kind of hacky, and I was, I wasn't doing it anymore. And then every once in a while, I'll just do it again in the middle of a show, and it will fucking crush. <laughs> and it makes me so yeah. mad because I'm like, I've been writing. I'll sit there. Yeah. I'll write these long bits. I have callbacks, and they're intricate. And if I do a rhyming couplet, yeah. And I do a high five joke with the audience. It'll yeah. crush more than I mean. Even now, if I went up on stage at Laugh Factory right now and I did that joke, it will one hundred percent of the time kill. Yeah, and it makes me angry. Yeah, but- that's that's kind of what happens in Australia. I've got a few of them, <laughs> and I do them, and I get angry, and I go fine. <laughs> but there's the a difference, jokes. I think. I think that's an intelligently written, super funny joke. I laugh every time you do it. But you know, then there's just like dick jokes. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I have those too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got them. I, I want to ask: Do you change your voice inflection when you're delivering comedy in Australia, or is it? Do, you, do I like go back to being more Australian yeah. or something? <laughs> yeah. Um, it- no, but I definitely change words. Okay. Uh, and it's just small stuff: um, parking lot and uh, gas station, as opposed to saying car park and petrol station and stuff yeah okay it's, that's enough to throw people off when they're trying to listen to a joke to yeah. go what's a petrol station and then not listen to your joke yeah. yeah so i have to make sure that i remember to do that oh that's interesting because in your calling, head yeah yeah even calling um uh tr- trash can we call them just a bin and as soon as i say bin here people go ben a bin blunt and then they look at each other and an then they airplane forget to, bin? Yeah, yeah they listen yeah. they forget to listen to the joke yeah so and there's actually some words here in america that i even 
I say with a slight uh, American accent just so they know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the way that I say the word dork, uh, do you know what I'm saying right now? Dork. Dork, yeah. Oh, I thought you said <laughs> I, Exactly. So I've done that as a joke before to an entire audience at the Irvine Improv, 600 people, and I said, oh, the joke was that in Australia growing up, uh, I never knew there was black dorks because we only hear about cool black people. And then I come here and there's a nerd and everything. I'm like, oh, there are black dorks. And I was saying it like that, and I'm going, oh, and there's these black dorks, and everyone's staring at me. And then I'm like, what? And they thought I was saying black dogs. Oh my like, we don't have black dogs in Australia. And then everyone's like, what does that mean? And it took a second, and then I said, oh, and... It was actually hilarious because they all knew that I just got it completely wrong. <laughs> Did but, you address um, that? Did you say, oh, I meant no, to I say meant dork. Dork. <laughs> dork. Dork. Yeah. Then it got oh, a huge laugh because yeah. they're all there picturing <laughs> I gotta me remember going, that. I've never seen a black dog. And they're like, yeah. how's he never seen a black yeah. dog? <laughs> yeah. Mar- Mark Hayes uh, was on the podcast and he talked a lot about, because from Ireland, there are a lot of words that, uh, you know, obviously you don't say in America. One of the words was, uh, he goes, you know, I was making out this girl in this the, the priest came up in with a torch. I was like, what the fuck? He was going to burn it. Torch is flashlight torch in flash. Ireland. We do torch that. We torch too. You have torch too? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so you were a big star and you were kind of a star in Australia then, yeah? Uh, Ish, no, I, mid-level. I had, yeah. Um, I'd, uh, I'd definitely done a lot in comedy and because and comedy world in Australia is quite small. Yeah. So I'd done what, a lot. What in, uh, city was this? I, I was in Melbourne. In Melbourne, yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'd you know, I'd, I'd headlined and, and there's not many headliners in australia not like here and so i'd got to a certain level um that uh if i'd kept going i probably would have uh got onto breakfast radio or something like that which is that's the pinnacle in australia and yeah and that's what a lot of my friends are doing right now but uh, i chose at that point to come over here and try and uh live the american dream yeah well let's 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 talk about how you got started in comedy now you, you grew up in melbourne with uh what was the story with your family and growing up um, I, I grew up in, um, uh, in Melbourne in a suburb, um, that was kind of like a wealthy suburb, but I, my family wasn't overly wealthy. Uh-huh. I went to a good school cause I had a scholarship and so all of my friends are like super rich <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but, uh, I, I kind of, you know, um, middle class, uh, lower middle class. So yeah. I wasn't poor or anything, but it was an interesting place. And I grew up in a family that was very, very funny. Very my funny. mom's hilarious. My auntie is probably the funniest person I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah. And so Christmas was a constant uh, game of being the funniest and stuff. And I learned from a young age, all right, either, because there was two kinds of people in my family, the people that just sat and listened and the people that were trying to get all the attention. Yeah. And I remember thinking at a young age, I want to be the one getting the attention. So I, yeah. I learned how to tell stories and try and be the loudest one at the table and stuff. Do your brothers and sisters? Or? I've got two sisters. Yeah. And... uh and they, um, they're they're very funny too, but definitely not as sort of attention seeking. Are you as me. older or younger? I'm the youngest. So I got You're, two older. Yeah, sisters. I always think like I always think like a lot of comics are either an only child or the youngest. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the time. Yeah, it's kind of the way it works. And your sisters weren't funny. Uh, they're they're funny, but uh, they're not. Um, they would hate to get on stage and and be their center of attention. Yeah. Whereas I think I always wanted to. Uh, you know, hey, look at me type thing. Yeah. Because I wanted that attention at the Christmas table, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it was interesting. Like, my mum, my auntie, my grandma, me and my uncle were always the ones sort of trying to vie for the attention and stuff like that. 
Yeah. That sounds fun. My family's not like that. (laughs) It's fun because like someone else comes, some uh, newcomer to the Christmas table or something, and (laughs) it's usually just a game of punishing that person (laughs) and making them feel uncomfortable. But not in a bad way, just in sort of a fun way. And so from this, from you trying to be the guy, the funny guy at the Christmas table, did that translate into stand-up comedy at a young age? When you were in high school, did you start doing it? Or were you like, did you not realize that was an option for you? No, not a, no I didn't realize it was an option until I, I was 20, oh, 20 when I first did my first stand-up show. And this is probably when you just finished college? or uh, Yeah, I was like in first year of college or something. Uh-huh. And I just remember thinking... Like I said, I had a scholarship at school and I was meant to be an academic and a lawyer or something like that. Yeah. But I, school never worked for me, ever. Yeah. And my mum even said, like, uh, you, you know, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. She was oh, very encouraging. Yeah. And I said, oh, I want to, uh, I tried this. I did stand up for a year before I told anyone. And uh, Before you told your parents too? I told anyone, none of my friends, anything. Why? I was terrified. I was terrified <laughs> of what people would yeah. say and think. I mean, Australians are lovely people, but they're also very... Uh, quick to just give shit and judge and especially my group of friends and stuff. I didn't want to be the one that they all just, oh, you think you're funny, dude? Well, that's something I want to talk about too because I know in New Zealand, uh, similar, they have something called the tallest poppy syndrome, right? Yeah, completely. So so tell people what the tallest poppy syndrome is. So tall poppy syndrome is if anyone tries to break out like a tall poppy would, like a flower, and grow bigger than the others, they'll all cut you down so you're the same size. So that doesn't happen in America. I mean, you look at people like Tom Brady and stuff like that, and, oh, he's the best and greatest, and they get inflated even more. But if you start to rise above everyone else or try and do something different or anything, everyone else cuts you down so that you come back down to everyone's level and keep it even. Yeah. And I don't think it's a good thing. It's it's uh it's not a, I don't know it's not a bad thing because um it actually everyone then sort of encourages each other but if someone's really peeking out and trying yeah but I noticed something really cool that when uh we got to about 27 years old that didn't happen anymore Oh, interesting so as soon as that it was nothing but encouragement from all your friends and everything yeah. so it's yeah. kind of a younger so when you were starting doing stand-up and you weren't telling anyone, where would you go? You'd go to some clandestine places where no one knew you? and Yeah. 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 I, the first time I was on the Gold Coast, which is in Queensland. Uh-huh. and uh, So you I, had to drive to get to a place where... Well, I lived right near it. I was okay. living on the Gold Coast at the time, and uh, I saw there was a competition. So I went there by myself one night. And this is the first time you've ever performed, yeah. First time. And I was terrified, and I smoked a bunch of cigarettes with some guy, and I had never smoked cigarettes before. I was just terrified. And uh, I did my five minutes, and I won this competition. Holy shit. And, um, and I thought, oh, maybe this is something that I could do. Was when it, it went overseas? Were you thinking, like, this is something I should do? Or were you like, this is, was it, a, a, did you see it as a sign that you should be a comic? I just wanted to do something different. I yeah. remember at the time, I've never told anyone this, but I just wanted to do something different. I thought I could maybe be like a um, a, a rapper, like do hip hop or something, because I loved listening <laughs> to hip hop at the time. I go, maybe I could do that. Like, that's the most ridiculous thing to think right now, like looking at me and <laughs> everything. It makes no it. sense. <laughs> Would you rap for us right now? Do you have absolutely a not, never? And I couldn't do it. Like I just remember listening to it a lot and going, oh, maybe that's something different I could do. But I just knew I didn't want to wear a suit and tie and go to a lawyer's office. So. I yeah, just, and I you were thought, in school for law? Uh, no, at the time I was studying just a, I had a business degree. Like a business I said, degree. 
I, at school, I kind of just... Bare minimum, get through. Get through. Yeah. I, I have a degree that I... Uh, if I didn't even buy a textbook. Yeah. I didn't go to half the classes. I just went and just got through. Hated it. Yeah. And then uh, I realized that I could do something like this. And uh, I, and I got just, just hooked and, and realized that there was... Um, something really exciting and different that I could do with the maybe the talent that I did have uh, as opposed to uh, being a lawyer or a, a doctor or whatever the hell uh, yeah. um, they wanted me to, to do. So did the competition, did it, did it lead to stuff or was it just kind of like a one-off thing or did it actually create some sort of community for you to get involved in? And What it did is made me realize that there was a community because yeah. if, you're, if you don't and don't know, you have no idea. None. You just see yeah. comedians and go, how do you get from there to there? That's, I don't get it. But I won the competition and the guy said, you should, you should try and do this. And uh, and I I thought oh, I'm I'm not really sure and I went overseas and travelled and lived in England and did some really cool stuff and didn't perform didn't perform I was yeah. away for about a year and then came back and thought right I got to get back to what am I going to do I I didn't like school I didn't like that but I really like doing that stand up maybe I'll go back and do that and that's when I was back in Melbourne and went to the uh, comics lounge in Melbourne and then I realised that there was this awesome community and those guys have been that's like my home club that's your home club yeah the best what was the the writing process like up until the first set you did like was this something was it a story you've been wanting to tell a long time or um i remember i had to do like it was like three minutes okay and i think i just had a few ideas or something and i don't even know how i figured that out i don't know if i i read it in a book or i just i watched a lot of comedy and I loved um, Eddie Murphy Raw when I was, you know, a teenager. And I loved Richard Pryor and all these movies. And um, and I'd watched comedy and seen it. So I, I kind of knew how it worked. And like I said, I knew how to tell a story at the Christmas table to engage people. Mm-hmm. So because they would shut you down really quickly if you didn't, yeah. if yeah. you didn't get the story good. So I was like, all right, I just I didn't need a few stories to cover three minutes. I, I can kind of do that. And they would um they would have been so childish, like. I can't even remember something about being at the urinal and and being concerned about someone looking at your dick, like very childish stuff. <laughs> dick jokes. <laughs> but um, uh, and they love it in Australia. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I just got one big laugh. Yeah, that's and I enough. remember just thinking, oh, like that. Like, oh my god, I've never had that many people laugh at sort of once, and 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 that was enough. You yeah, know how it is, and you're just like, oh my god. But, and um, how did you get into the comics? You, you showed up there just like, hey, guys, uh, what was the process in terms of getting Because that's a very like a legendary club there. Yeah, I think I, I think I just went there one night and introduced myself and said, you know, I'd like to um, start doing stand-up. And, um, and they were very welcoming from the very beginning. And they said, look, we've got an amateur night on Tuesday. Come down. And, and then I, I did some of them. And then I moved on to the Wednesday night. Uh-huh. And then they would give me the Thursday. And then you get a weekend. And then, you know, just the natural progression through that. And who were the big comics in Australia at the time that were that were at the Comics Lounge who, who were just killing it there? Dave Hughes was the biggest comedian and probably still is in Australia. Um, Jim Owen, uh, he's an Irish comedian, but he worked in Australia for years. He was there. Was Jim Jeffries there? Jim Jeffries, uh, he kind of started in England. Okay. Um uh, he might have done a few years in uh, Sydney before he uh, he left, but he he did the crux of his work in, uh, in England and yeah. his um, 
you know, his brand and him and his performance there. Yeah. And that's where he kind of broke out and is awesome. But And I've only, I only met him here and he's actually been unreal and lovely to yeah. me when he doesn't have to be or anything, which is, uh, you know, it's really cool. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the guys at the Comics Lounge, they were just always very supportive and I kind of came in at the right time. There was about just six or so guys and girls that had shown a lot of uh, promise very early. So we kind of were this sort of uh, like brat pack type thing yeah. that everyone associated together. So we all kind of climbed up together, which was nice. And now a lot of those guys are doing big shows back in Australia, TV and uh, radio and everything and, yeah. and the girls and stuff. And I know all them and it's it's awesome. It's just a really good community. So what was your first big break in, in terms of stand comedy? I'm going to say probably when I met Rob Schneider here at the Laugh Factory. Oh, really? Yeah, and I had smaller breaks along the way. So, I mean, you were having breaks in Australia be yeah, before then. Yeah, but it's nothing like here. Yeah. And that introduced me into a world of, I just went on tour with him and Adam Sandler, and they're doing Jeez. stadiums. So, how did that come about? How did your relationship with Rob Schneider happen? I was literally across the road at the Laugh Factory, yeah. and uh, he saw me. He was about to go and do a tour in Australia. Uh -huh. And he came up to me and said, can I pick your brain and ask you some questions? So I'm like, uh, of course. Yeah. And he said, give me your number. And then I was back at my house um, and uh, I've got this phone call and I answered it. It's Rob Schneider. And he said, oh, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And he was just <laughs> oh, wow. on the phone. And he said, what are you doing this weekend? And he took me uh, to Dayton, Ohio. And oh, I wow. did the weekend with him and opened for him, uh, just featured. And um, I made sure I did good work and and he said come and do the tour in australia with me took me back to australia we did the sydney opera house wow like ridiculous yeah and then um and then i've worked with him for the last five years and so that's, that was five years ago yeah yeah and he's been uh just a mentor and uh you know he's really brought me into his world like i said took me on the tour with um sandler and spade and when they were doing that and just showed me all that side side of comedy and stuff, and I grew up watching him and Sandler and mu movies and everything. So it was it yeah, was just unreal. So Sandler was on the tour as well. This it was, was the it was Adam Sandler, it was David Spade, Rob Schneider, uh, Chris Rock was out there for a bit. Wow. Um, uh, sorry, I'm forgetting the others, but anyway, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. And they were doing stadiums. It was unreal. Yeah. yeah. So what was the biggest crowd you performed in front of? Uh, well, I, I didn't perform uh, with them. I was just on the tour with them and hanging out and learning and watching and, oh, and, okay. and hanging out with those, you know. Were you helping write? Were you a writing partner? Are you well, allowed to say? Well, I always try and help Rob with his jokes, but um, I, I think in the five years I've known Rob, I've probably given him two jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows that. But Rob and I, uh, we spent time and wrote a movie together that we're filming in Australia next year. Actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, amazing. It was a joke that I did that uh, Rob said that we have to write a movie about that. Oh, and wow. So, well, you can't say what that joke is probably, huh? Um, I can. Yeah? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, this is a true story. And in, in 1932, the Australian government uh, went to war with the emus. With it's, the who? Emus. You know oh. what an emu is? A large ostrich-like yeah. bird native to Australia. Yeah. They're these huge six-foot birds. And what happened, there was 20,000 emus running through the outback tearing up farmers' crops. So the army came in with tanks and machine guns and they went to war with the emus. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. We, uh, we lost because <laughs> the birds were too fast. 
Holy they shit. were too smart. They out, outmanned and outgunned the uh, Australian Army. So Rob and I have written this whole movie surrounding this great emu war that happened. Holy, that nobody knows about and that would that be no fascinating. One knows about. And oh, it's wow. a fascinating true story of Australia's history. And you've written the script and you're already it's in all pre-production. Done. We're, we're getting finance right now. Oh, Rob's wow. an animal lover. What's he, that? He, Rob's an animal lover. I can <laughs> see him <laughs> liking that story. Yeah. Well, we wrote it, you know, uh, while we were doing on this tour with Sandler afterwards, we'd sit in the hotel room and laugh and write it and stuff. And uh, yeah, it just sort of flowed out naturally because the truth of the story is so ridiculous Yeah. that we kind of just plugged in scenes and made it work and happen. And yeah, it's going to be a really fun story to, to do. Yeah. And Rob's giving me a huge opportunity. I'm pl- I'm playing the lead character in it, and that's great. He's doing a role, and his uh, Australian accent's hilarious. <laughs> and ridiculous. That's a, that is a very hard accent to do for Americans. Very, by very the way. hard. America, uh, Australians could do American, but Americans can't really do Australian for some reason. Uh, it's hard. Wait, now, I'm sorry. Yeah. Are you an emu? Are you playing an emu? No, no. <laughs> I'd like to. That'd be great. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm playing the uh, the sergeant who, there's four main people who go out and fight the emus and that's what happened in the truth of this story. So I'm playing like the sergeant who leads these four people. Oh, okay. And oh, wow. Rob's the angry major who's very upset because we keep losing to birds. <laughs> <laughs> And what is your relationship with, with acting? Is acting something that is sort of secondary to you as a comic or is it something that you're doing in conjunction with? How, how do you see them working together or working differently? Um, I see myself doing more acting in the years coming up now. Uh, the last the last 12 months I've done a lot. Of, I was on New Girl on Fox. Uh-huh. And I did um, a couple of episodes. I did Hollywood Darlings. Did you know what that one is? I don't know what that was. No, I don't know. It was really hilarious. But um, I did that, and I did two seasons of Real Rob on Netflix, which is Rob uh-huh. Schneider's yeah. TV show. And um, I think it's probably the natural progression to go into more acting, but yeah. uh, what I love is the backbone of comedy that I have in the 15 years uh, that I've got, so I know I can always do that and love it and yeah. and be comfortable with it. Well, I mean, there's also a whole thing of, of Australian leading men coming to Hollywood. It's I mean, are thing. people trying to like mm-hmm. make you the Australian leading man, like a Hemsworth type? I'm trying to make me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could see that. I could um, see people being behind you be like, hey, we want to get you in action films. We want to get you like romantic comedies. We want to yeah, get you in you like... Yeah, you look like a famous actor. The Yeah, I mean, the, the people who've pa- paved the way for Australians have just painted such a good uh, um, idea in everyone's head that Australians are hardworking and stuff like that, like Hugh Jackman and... Um, and the Hemsworth guys and Nicole Kidman and Naomi Watts and all these Heath great Ledger, Australians. Yeah, yeah. Heath Ledger, just because uh, the Australian work ethic is um, uh, eight hours sleep, eight hours play and eight hours work. That's how it's always been. Yeah. And I think that slots very well into um, into this uh, Hollywood sort of mould that uh, when it's time to work, it's time to work. Yeah. When you want to play, we'll play. Yeah. But when it's work, it's work. So... Um. Yeah, I think. Uh, I yeah. I, I don't know. I, if 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 I'm gonna get plugged in and 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 they're gonna want, make me want to do all these things, I'll see. I I really just ask Rob most of the time. What do you think? <laughs> and and he's kind of like my, uh, my manager and and figures it out and goes, Ah, you don't need to do that. We're gonna do this. And I'm like, All right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Well, like I, I, I started off as a serious dramatic actor, and oh, yeah. it was all I really uh, wanted to do and be. 
So comedy came second to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm always curious when people, they start in comedy, comedy is what they love, and then they become like someone like Jim Carrey or, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, and they become, is, is, do you do you look at yourself as a dramatic actor as something that, that interests you or do you see yourself solely as a comedic actor? Right now the dramatic stuff doesn't interest me, but I could see it all sort of molding towards something like that. Yeah. Um, comedic acting for me is the most fun Yeah. and stuff where I'd get to improvise a lot um, would be ideal. Yeah. Um, I also wouldn't. I don't really want to put an American accent on. I can do it, but it, it kind of changes who I am, and I don't. What do you mean by that? This is what I mean. If if we're improvising a scene or something, uh -huh. you need to be switched on, right? Yeah. But for just a millisecond in my head, I'm thinking: Is my accent sounding right? Is mm. this word coming out correctly? And it takes away my uh, snappiness a little bit because I'm thinking about something else as well. Yeah, that makes so sense. I don't feel as uh, it's like translating. Yeah, a little bit. It's your own head translating. So um, ideally, I'd like to just be able to sort of play myself in things. Uh, I mean, Russell Brand did it fairly well. He kind of yeah. kept who he was. Oh and yeah, stuff for sure. And did a bunch of great movies, I thought. Um, and so I'll see what comes my way and stuff. Right now, I'm really happy with stand up and and the progression that i've made here i i just uh i sold out my first um show at the new bray improv which was like 650 people down in orange county which wow uh, it was really cool it was the first way at the bray improv yeah at yeah the uh bray improv so you sold that out what was the fan base where are they coming from were they was it Aust was it australian was it no, from new girl the, was it from tv no, it's um it's just from working uh there over the years and building up an email list and yeah then, uh and i've headlined there a couple of times but they just changed from the smaller club of 350 yeah. to the bigger one of, well, it seats 570. They crammed in 650 somehow. Yeah. And uh, and you sold that out for a whole weekend? No, no, it was just one night. Yeah, but it's a lot but still. Yeah. It was um, it was the first one in that big club that I'd done, and uh, and they were wrapped with it. The GM of the club um said that if I sell the place out, he'd buy me steak dinner and kiss me. <laughs> and uh, I've got video of him <laughs> kissing me, and he owes me a steak dinner. <laughs> and so um, I'm happy with the progression of that because. There, you have so much more control over your career in stand-up than you might in the acting or whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, for so, sure. Uh, that's always nice to know. Like one of my favorite comedians to always look at is Sebastian Maniscalco uh -huh. because he was the first guy that I opened for here and he did that Breyer improv. Uh -huh. And he, he didn't have it full every night. He did a weekend. But I just remember thinking, this guy's really, really good. And then I watched him just build his audience. Yeah. And he didn't do it through TV or radio, whatever. It was just purely stand-up building an audience. And then he just sold out four shows at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And he's he's unreal. He's His act is great. Yeah. And he really has honed in on what he brings to the stage and who he what his voice is. And that's what we're all trying to find as comedians, what we're really our voice is. And I, f I just feel in the last sort of six months that I'm I'm tapping into it. I haven't grabbed it grasped it yet but i, I kind of get what it is and it's starting to feel really good on stage. what 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 is that to you what does that mean finding your voice to you does it mean like uh it vulnerability means, or just sort of like it means that you're so comfortable on stage with who you are and what your um take on everything is is that it's just going to flow straight through you and what you know when you're in that zone and you're mm -hmm. like 
this is me and that's my opinion on everything that you all have opinions on and that's my thing and I'm cool with it. And if you're not, whatever, but I am. Yeah. And as soon as you can get that and lock that down, then people know exactly who you are. People know exactly who Bill Burr is. He's an angry old man. <laughs> people know exactly who Louis is. He's a dirty old man. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know? Yeah. And as soon as uh, people and audiences can go... Right, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco is the uh, guy with the immigrant family and yeah. figuring it out and stuff. And it's uh, it's interesting. It's you know it takes so much time. I've done this for fifteen years, and I can all, I can always do shows that I'm I'm happy with. But when you do the ones where you really feel like oh I just everything came out of me then that was authentically me. Yeah. Uh, you just feel so much better about it. And, yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's what you really want. <laughs> put, put, push the, put, can you push the chair against it right there? Yeah, here you go. <laughs> I don't um, look, the doll's got some things to say. Yeah. So, uh, do you, f- do you feel, okay, so we're both white, blonde guys. One of us may be younger and better looking, but still, <laughs> do you ever, do you ever feel, God damn it, Maggie, what type of assistant are you? <laughs> Um, your assistant, huh? Okay. So, um, do you ever feel that that the political climate or what is happening in America right now informs your act, informs what you feel like you can talk about? Because I know for me, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of white people love to complain about it's so hard to be a white man in America and a white man comic. We can't. And I always find that a challenge. Like, I want to say stuff that really pisses off feminists mm-hmm. and vegans mm-hmm. like you, Maggie. So, um. I, I find that to be a, a great clarion call for comics to write better material and make it. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you, do you see yourself as someone who uh, are, are you cognizant of that, we do, or do you, do you think about that? Is that something you're like? I'm a I'm a tall, good-looking white guy in a climate where t- tall, good-looking white guys are hated universally. Yeah, but I think that's an excuse. If there's so many actors and stuff, and that go. Oh, it's so hard, right? It's always hard. What yeah. are you talking about? Like, yeah, all right. Right now, they're looking for diversity and stuff, but there's still a role for the for the white guy there, yeah. And the the good looking or the tall or the whatever. The, there's a role for everyone. Yeah. And this is why I keep going back to Sebastian. Just find out who you are and who you want to be that that strongly. That oh, okay, don't 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 worry that they <coughs> wanted to cast someone else or something. You'll find your thing. Yeah, just know yourself that well that someone somewhere is going to love what you're doing. Yeah, and find your audience. Yeah, and that works with acting. It works with stand up. It works with everything. With writing, with everything. Yeah, music, everything. With like you find your audience. And hey, this is what I bring to the table. I'm not being a dick about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm white. I get it. I'm I'm also Australian. I'm also a a brother. I'm also a son. I've got a lot of things things that I'm not just some dude who looks like he came from the fucking frat house. I do look like that, which bothers me a little bit because uh, people make a judgment on me and then I talk and they go, oh, you're not that guy. And yeah. they go, I, don't I look like that guy, but I'm not that guy. Yeah. And um, so I don't know. It doesn't, for years I did let it bother me. Uh, and then I think I've just been doing it for so long now that I, I don't want to be bitter anymore and I decided in the last sort of year, two years maybe, just run your own shit, run your own game and enjoy it. Yeah. And do your shows and build your audience and, and do your acting jobs when they come and and 
don't let things affect you and go, oh, it's so hard. As soon as you get negative and shit, oh, I no agree. one even wants to talk to you. Yeah, like, exactly. So what kind, of, what kind of role do you think you're going to get if you walk into a room and go, oh, you probably just get someone else, won't you? And you go, yeah, because you're a fucking dickhead. So just, I don't know, it's very easy to complain about that. Yeah. And... Everyone's got their struggles too, by the way. Yeah, the of white course. guy does, the black guy, the black woman. Everyone has their own struggles. And I, I think I, I realized not to judge anyone on what they decide uh, is their struggles and stuff because everyone's got their own internal shit that they got to deal with. The rich white girl who is pissed off because someone didn't like her Facebook post might sound ridiculous to you but that's her whole world yeah. so don't judge someone else for their problems that they're feeling just yeah. run your own shit stop yeah. stop I don't know I'm, d- I'm just sick of hearing about it like, yeah for sure people you know yeah Saying that that's an issue and a problem. Yeah, and because it's always been an it's issue, always and it'll always be a problem. But do you so. do you feel that the audiences in America are PC in a way that has changed for you since you've been here in the, just in the past five years, or do you feel like I feel like that's overblown when people talk about that? But I have had situations where people have stormed out of shows because they were they were offended on a behalf of a minority that they thought I offended, who was laughing at my jokes yes but they were still i do definitely think people audiences and people in general are a lot uh touchier these t- days but it doesn't take long to break everyone down and go hey we're all just gonna have a laugh how about that yeah and then everyone's just like all right <laughs> so you can you can still do it it's just people are on edge but you can break them down pretty quickly and go let's get off edge for a second and everyone just have fun yeah. And you can you can still do that. Yeah. Have you had moments where you couldn't, where you had an audience that just got away from you and you sort of lost control maybe with a heckler or with just like your set where you're like, fucking kill me? Uh, yeah. I mean, of course. But, um, <laughs> Give us a good one. A winner, good one. Uh, shit, someone did it the other night. Oh, do you know what? Uh, <laughs> Actually, this one's pretty funny. Uh, I was in I was in Melbourne uh, doing shows at the start of the year, and I did my full hour show. Went great, enjoyed it, and uh, <laughs> I was wrapping up. I'm going, thank you very much for coming out, everyone. I'd just done a full hour, and some lady from the back yelled out, "Don't give up your day job." Oh my god! And I just and- done the whole show. Like he didn't need <laughs> to do that. <laughs> and so I yelled back and just said. Well, I'd tell you not to give up your day job, but hookers work at night. And yeah. it was a good thing. And Great everyone comeback. laughed and everything. And then I said, good night, everyone. And then I walked out and uh, this this very upset woman came up to me with her friend and went, you owe my friend an apology <laughs> like that. And I was so angry that I wanted to go, your stupid friend ruined the show with two yeah. minutes to go. Why would she do that? And I just went, oh, fuck off. Yeah. Like that. And she went, oh, I'm going to do a formal complaint to the general manager of the Comics Lounge, who's yeah. one of my best friends. And I'm like, this should be interesting. And she went and grabbed him and said, excuse me, your comedian just told me to fuck off. And he looked at her, looked at me and went, oh, well, why didn't you fuck off? <laughs> You're still uh, here. Just went, uh, thank you. And she had to go, oh, and like leave all shocked and stupid. But it, it was, I mean... There was no reason to yell out like that. It was stupid and it was shit, but it fired me up so much because yeah. I wanted to go, this is my job and you just fucked it. Yeah. Why would you do that? But that, but that's rare for you. You don't feel... Because I have a whole thing where I talk about uh, entitled white women 
and how how they're ruining <laughs> everything. And I'm I'm a, I'm like a liberal. I'm a liberal guy in my heart. I mean, you know, I went to Princeton for engineering, and now I'm telling dick jokes on stage. It's not a GOP power <laughs> move, but but I always find that super liberal white women really piss me off in the way that they uh, they judge comedy, they judge my comedy, they judge who who, I'm, and and I I feel like it's informing my stand up making me a little bit more burresque yeah a little bit more uh yeah but i also find that's a slippery slope too because then they become your whole personality like i'm like the angry guy talking about fucking these white cunts yeah, well, yeah. I, they're just the loudest but they're they're a small major- they're not a, they're a small minority yeah, yeah. but know? i think what happens is i kind of i let it affect me too much like i remember um someone tweeted me after a show and said you are so misogynistic and uh-huh. stuff and I'm I'm not. Yeah. I don't think. And then I look at my material and I go, Oh, maybe I shouldn't say <laughs> say that and stuff. And then I go, No, fucking. Yeah. yeah I'm not. I'm not that person. So I'm gonna say things. And if you get offended, fuck you. Like. Yeah. Think uh, about all the people that saw your set that night. Yeah. You know, and they and didn't I let complain. that one person affect me and change. Are, yeah. Because we're not like that. I'm not like that. Yeah. So we're. It's very small. Just remember that. Yeah. Yeah. This this entitled people who are getting offended well, is very small I, I find that it's very like uh like I've, i i do this cunt joke <laughs> where I like where i say where i say i talk about being on a date with a vegan maggie's a vegan by the way and i talk about, and this is a true story she was correcting all my language and she was talking about you know, well that's hate speech and i go we're in america it's free speech there's no such thing as hate speech we're not in fucking canada okay i can't go to jail i go you can be an asshole like i'm not going to say the n word obviously because that's offensive to black people i'm not going to say the c word because that's offensive to cunts <laughs> and, and i'm th- that joke i'll i'll do it in like re- you do you do the reno and laugh factory uh, and, and no, you do vegas yeah. laugh yeah. factory yeah. right yeah, yeah. Okay. Because similar crowds, yeah. so I, I find that like, if I can get enough goodwill in the set where that joke kills, uh-huh. then I feel like okay, yeah, I I, I crack the code for this audience. If I can do a good a good kind, yeah, joke. that's true. You yeah. can kind yeah. of feel when you have enough goodwill that you can get away with some shit these days. Yeah, like all right, I've built up a good rapport. You know, I'm not an actual jerk, but here's do something you, funny that's yeah. yeah. jerky. Do you have? But s- it's me again. Remember? Yeah, yeah, it's me. Yeah. Do you have <laughs> stuff that you? Do you have stuff that you do or you want to do and you're like, ah, oh, man, this is a little bit too much? I found much. that if I, I – I did some jokes uh, about six months ago. Well, let me see if I can remember what the joke is that I did because it didn't fit into my personality like I was yeah. saying. Like, and your it, personality- wasn't, it wasn't really me. Yeah. I am kind of a nice – Yeah, nice guy. guy. And the, when I do my best comedy is when I'm being cheeky and – uh, non, not offensive, just sort of being almost misinformed yeah. about some American things that uh, I don't know because I'm a foreigner. Yeah, you that's can still play of, the fish out of water thing. Yeah. Yes, the fish out of water thing. That's kind of where my best stuff comes from. And I think the joke that I did was, um, shit, it was, uh, remember, uh, oh, now because of Facebook, you, you see everyone, oh, yeah, that's it, you see everyone having... Uh, like you can see them having a nervous breakdown because they start <laughs> writing posts that get weirder and weirder, and you go, "Oh fuck, this guy's getting out of hand, isn't it?" Remember the and then the, the joke that no one liked was I'd say, "Remember the good old days when someone would just kill themselves <laughs> and you and you didn't you didn't know about it?" And you go, "Oh, I didn't know that would happen, but now we all know because we see it happen." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you didn't say anything about it, and it it wasn't in my character. So yeah, when for I, sure. When it came in the middle of after me going, "Oh, I." 
say things weird and everything, and then I go that. Everyone like goes, oh, oh. that's not the person we grew to trust in this yeah. half an hour. Yeah, because that's love. It's a, it's a relationship where they, they have to trust you. Yeah. Well, and, and, I'm sorry, but yeah. people, I'm an audience member a lot, and yeah. people are afraid to laugh sometimes at really dark stuff like that. They don't know if it's okay. Sometimes you can tell them, I'm about to do something really dark. It's okay if we all laugh, <laughs> so let's do it. And then you do it and go, remember, it's okay to laugh. And you can kind of do that sometimes, but it, it, it didn't fit into my... Uh, uh, Rob saw it and he goes, the joke's all right, but it doesn't it doesn't suit you. Someone yeah. else could do it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. It, and it didn't feel natural mm. when I was saying it either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, writing material and stuff and worrying about all that does does come into play. Yeah, I have a lot of people who see my show and they go, and they meet me, they're, oh, you're a nice guy. You're such a douche on stage. And I'm like, am I? Is, is my stage persona a, a, a douche? Because in my head, I'm like, it's just me. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, the real me? I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> And then I say the same things off stage. I say on stage, but on stage, I guess you have a microphone. You're, it comes off maybe a little douchier. I got to take some likability lessons from you, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. I, I literally, I don't know if because you have dimples too. I literally will say the most offensive thing and just go dimples, <laughs> and that like break the tension. It cancels everything. <laughs> well, my accent gets me away with a lot. Yeah. yeah. People often go, ah, he doesn't know what he's talking about, <laughs> and I'm saying borderline just racist well stuff. it is it is something like the australian accent is definitely like hands down more than british it is the penny droppingest accent maybe french irish. i don't know you think irish more than australian i don't know oh okay i would no i mean it is it it has um and when i was younger it was very um yeah uh Exciting. <laughs> are you now? Are you saying? Are you I first came here when I was twenty-one? Are you kidding? Oh, came with yeah. a couple of friends and Wait, we walked into you? a place. Can I ask? I'm thirty-five. Thirty-five, yeah. And uh, I came here with a couple of friends. I remember just talking to some girls at a bar, and these girls all started crowding around us, and we're like, "What's what's going on?" And they're all just staring and listening to us, and we're like, "Oh my god, we have superpowers here!" <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. We went to my my buddy was at uh, Louisiana University LSU. Yeah. And we were at his place, and literally. 30 girls came around because they heard there was Australians on campus and came to, and we're all there <laughs> and they're all just staring at us and we're going, this is unbelievable. It's mesmerizing. It's yeah. A good yeah. yeah. <laughs> she actually, ha she, she quit her job tonight. She's supposed to be working right now and she just wants to say, listen to her accent. I That's what she's there. Um, Carrie Car actually does, she does accent reduction work. I'm a dialect coach. Oh, yes. All right. Into your can or, you coach uh, Americans into Australia? Wait, can you see if you can do? Can you do an Australian accent? See if you can tell and see if Monty can judge it. You're not putting me on the spot. Absolutely. Australians <laughs> the hardest one. Oh, anyone who does it well. I want to hear your American. Uh, I can I can <laughs> do my like douchey American, American if you want. I yes, will you <laughs> say something? <laughs> uh, yo, yo, Billy, bro. <laughs> yo, Billy, bro. <laughs> Come on over in your truck, bro. We're going down the uh, we're going to the lake house this summer. <laughs> Bring Brittany and Chip and Chad and Chuck and Chez and all the other CH names because they're awesome. Is that what you think of us? <laughs> we just say no, CH it's just names. The <laughs> thing I could think of. 
Hi. Hi. This is Carrie Saffron. She's a, a brilliant actress, and she's also a uh, an improv actress and a not a stamp comic and a no. dialect coach. Hi. 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 <laughs> what dialect were you teaching tonight? Um, tonight I was doing an intensive for um, old fashioned and modern RP, so sort of oh. like a standard British. Yeah. Hello, governor. Like that. Uh, like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like British, like that. <laughs> Well, that's how, that's always funny when people do when when people do accents or go, like, oh, you know, British guys are like, hey man, you want to come? I'm like, you're doing fucking Cockney. That's yeah. not a suave Cockney. James Bond accent. Yeah. But people know the difference. Like, oh, he's British. He must have money. <laughs> they know he's a boot black. <laughs> yeah, it is all about class, though. Your accent, yes, particularly in England, particularly can really define you. Although that's changing a lot. I mean, it's similar here. Obviously, people have judgments based on on your redneck accent, right? Or you know, you Brooklyn can do an Australian accent. Or... Just do it. I'll do mine first, make I know you feel yours. better. Yours isn't bad. No, because I tell you. Okay, so I was in <laughs> New Zealand for a while, and I it's a different dated a New Zealand it. girl. Fist <laughs> pump. Oh, yes. I had sex Wait. with a New Zealand girl. Sex. And and I had joke. The joke is, I go. It was really weird because. Uh, uh, the accent always goes up at the end like this. Everything sounds like a question like that. It made Dirty Talk really confusing. Where I'm sexually like, oh, yeah, you fucked me so good. I'm like, I don't know, Emma, you <laughs> tell me. Right how's, how's the pressure? That's a really big dick. Now you're being sarcastic, <laughs> so whatever. But I, but there's something about the accent just going up at the end like this. And my friend's like, that's not fucking Australian. That's New Zealand. That's New Zealand. That's New Zealand. So the only thing I know, the difference between New Zealand, New, Ze- New Zealand, is they, the, it's the uh, fish and fish. Fish. Fish in Australia and fish in New Zealand. Chops. Fush and and they always go up at the end. Always go up like this. But then I'm getting real married with the way I'm talking and right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the. And then it becomes Chinese a little bit somehow. <laughs> for some reason, uh, fiddly dee potatoes. So give us give us some primers on the new, on the Australian accent then. No, not on Australian. At least leave me in the wheelhouse I was in tonight. I, well, the, the joke I would do when I would I would, I would say uh, the New Zealand accent like there's nothing in New Zealand can kill you. Like the the top of the food chain is like a fox. And everything in Australia wants to kill you. Yeah. So everyone else, it's Australians are just kind of like dickier New Zealanders. Like New Zealand, everything's happy, and then Australians are a little bit. It's just a little bit more like if there's more. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, we. What and you then can South Africa. Bill was gesturing well, toward his crotch for some reason. Yeah, there's just, there's just. It's like New Zealanders who grab their dick. That's an Australian right there. That's an Australian accent. A New Zealander grabbing their dick. You're like, oh, your dick. You have a New Zealand accent again. Grabbing your dick. You grabbing your dick here. What you're talking about right now is prosody, which is like the um, rhythm and intonation of a of an accent. What's the word called? Prosody, P-R-O-S-O-D-Y. Mm, so that anything that applies to the musicality or stress patterns and things. I will say, prosody. Jim Jeffries has one of the best. He goes, he goes. A lot of people think that the Australian accent sounds like South African accent. South African is basically Australian accent, but you're punching a black guy. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a solid joke right there. Solid joke. Do you say cunt in your in your act? Because in Australia you can get away with it. No, but no. I actually have. I just wrote one that had cunt in it. I haven't used it yet though. Let's but try I it out here get, for the first time. Well, I, it's not a real joke. I just wanted to talk about the fact that my, uh, like my good friends in Australia, I call mate, and my best friends I call cunt. Oh yeah, and that is if I if I if I call you a good cunt, that is the highest level of respect in Australia. Oh, and that's a very strange thing. I look forward to the day when you can call me a cunt. <laughs> you're, a, you're a solid <laughs> cunt. All right, you're a good cunt. If I say that, that's huge. <laughs> um, 
Now, do you have anything coming up you want to plug or anything, anything that uh, you obviously have the the movie about with Rob Schneider about yeah, the Emu War? Yeah, we that movie. That'll come out in about four years. So. It's amazing. That's <laughs> so incredible. We're doing it. And you also, you, you've written scripts and you're, you're pitching and stuff because we had the same manager at one point. I know he, he showed me some of your stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've got, I've got some stuff floating out there. Yeah. But um, I don't think I have anything to plug. I'm... I'm around. How about your How about your social media? What is your uh, social media for the Monty listeners? Monty Franklin. Monty Franklin. Monty Franklin. It's all under that. Are you big Instagram guy or Twitter guy? I or? have these things. You have these things. I don't know if I'm big. <laughs> 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 Not really. I'm pretty bad at social media, but I I do I have them. Yeah. I'll be at the Denver Comedy Works uh, this this week. This week. Next okay. Week. Next week. Next week. Yep. No one knows what time it is right now, so some so uh, whenever you're listening to it, it's just next week. <laughs> it's next I'm week. Just always just show there up next week. <laughs> and just demand, um, Monty. You're awesome. You're a great, great comic, and it's so nice to get to know you. Thank uh, you yeah. for coming of to course. the After Laugh. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks for having me. It's the After Laugh. After Laugh. Welcome to the After Laugh. After Laugh. After Laugh. <laughs> after Laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair.